0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Falcons in Focus podcast, presented by Ticketmaster, recorded right here in the Ticketmaster Studios. I'm Scott Bear. That's Tory McAlaney, and the man of the hour, assistant head coach Jerry Gray, or should I say Jed Gray? <laughs> <laughs> Is that more accurate? Because what from what we heard, right? There's a nickname that you've had for
1: old school something. nickname when I was in. I was a little kid they named me Jed cuz I used to watch the Clampers all the time. You did? The Beverly yep. really Hillbillies. The Beverly Hillbillies.
2: So okay, I was doing a bunch of research and we I had come across where it said Jerry, quote, Jed. Great. And I was like, this is a different person Mm-mm. altogether and then it and then it went a step further and it's like, no, the nickname comes from Beverly Hillbillies. Yes. And I was like, I had I never knew that about you.
0: <laughs> and like you just Kept watching the show even when you were grown up, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it was canceled.
1: It, it was it was a great show. <laughs> and, and, and you know what's funny is that, okay, I grew up in Texas. Yeah, all right went to University of Texas, and then my first job, real job out, was in California. Right. Where the Beverly Hillbillies was.
2: <laughs> it's like a full circle moment. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. it's the, funny.
0: The grays go to California. Yeah, right. life, what is it,
2: life imitates art? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it generally does, it generally does. That's funny.
2: Now, we want to go kind of uh, back in time a little bit mm-hmm. and, and to your start, and it's really fun for me to kind of look back at your career just in general but to have to have been a guy who grew up in texas Mm -hmm. went to high school in texas went to college in texas i mean how much are you just like a texas boy through and through
1: well you know it's like i go back there every summer i get a chance to kind of see you know what i grew up in and you know okay glad i'm not there but you know you could kind of see that and you know growing up in texas that's all we knew though it was like listen like I'm new to Georgia and, and I look at college, high school football, it's just like this in Texas. Yeah. They are really, really fanatics about high school football. So when I grew up, uh, I used to go to high school football games. And like the high school I went to, there was at least four or five guys every year going to D1. So wow. I'm thinking like, man, so I didn't know what college was because no one in my family had ever been. Mm-hmm. but. of a sudden when i got to high school started playing as my sophomore year a little bit wrote the bench and then my junior year i started at quarterback so it's like at at quarterback i played quarterback in high school didn't play any other position wow so i played quarterback and then my junior year i'm being recruited as a quarterback so every team in the country wanted me to play quarterback and i'm like "Mm, i don't know about this because it's like Mm -hmm. i'm looking i don't see anybody look like me a quarterback at the time right okay so my senior year uh, coach from Texas started recruiting me to play defensive back. So when I start looking at it, Texas had Johnny Johnson, who had been All American there. They had Ricky Churchman, who had been All American there. They had Derek Hatchett, who had been All American there at the same position. So I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I got a chance. So when I go to Texas, they moved me to defensive back mm-hmm. and made me play free safety. So at free safety, you're really the quarterback of the defense. So I sure. made all the calls, yeah. made all the checks, and that was easy. I'm like, I can do that. And from there. I, play, I didn't play my freshman year, of course. Freshmen don't play on the good teams. Mm-hmm. So got a chance to kind of ride the bench and look and see what you're supposed to do. My sophomore year, I, got, I started to compete junior senior year, made All-American. And then it's like, go to Texas, make All-American, and then you get drafted. And then there was two corners that went in front of me in the draft. So I was kind of a little bit ticked off at that, <laughs> yeah. you know, just being on something like, look, I made All-American two years. I was way better than these guys. I had better numbers. But that's how the draft falls. Sure. And then I got a chance to go to the Rams, which was better because later the team, the better you've been in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to be around a good football team and good guys. that kind of taught me how to play in the NFL.
0: So your hometown is where Texas Tech Yes, love right? Texas. Yep. So Texas Tech fans must have not liked you very much. They and still don't chose. like me now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they don't. I go back home and I do a lot of stuff there. I have a foundation, me and my wife. We give a lot of stuff back. We give money back to the high school kids to go to college. Mm-hmm. We, we really push that. We'll have some of the college students come down to one of the games here this, this year, That's and we'll put them up for the whole weekend, pay for everything. We'll bring someone to come and kind of watch over them, but we want them to experience what it feels like in the real world you yeah, know right. so uh, when we go back you know I was recruited by Tech but the thing is Tech had a coaching change and that's oh, really okay. what messed them up because between my junior and my senior year, they had a coaching change so and then Texas was always on me the whole time So I'm sure. thinking, like why would I go to a new guy who don't even know me and now he just coming in late to try to recruit me mm-hmm. so I, that, that was that was probably the best for me yeah.
2: It's funny, too, because, like, looking back at, obviously, I think a lot of people know your career anyways, but I'm going to say it anyways, like, 297 career tackles, 16 interceptions, and 20 PBUs, a two-time consensus, first-team All-American at Texas. Now, when you were inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, I believe it was in 2013, you said something along the lines of, like, there are some things in those four years at Texas that you could never replace. What were those things for you?
1: Well, you know, whenever you, you're you playing football, the things that you learn is you learn, I learn how to play at another level. Like, get an example like, Fred Akers, who was our head coach, he was really big on the mental part of the game. He, he, he brought in a guy named Lou Tice. And Lou Tice, if you ever look him up, he passed away like about seven or eight years ago. But he started the Pacific Institute in Seattle. So he used to get with generals and stuff like that to strategize military armies mm-hmm. and to go to war. So he kind of would talk to us in off season about visualizing yourself making plays. So between my freshman year and my sophomore year, I'm thinking, eh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Because you really <laughs> don't know as a freshman. But then my sophomore year to my junior year, I started figuring out, like, can you visualize yourself making a play without actually being on the football field? Mm-hmm. And so when I watch film, I would picture myself in the film and the ball goes up. I go get it. I catch it. And so I start learning to do that. I start learning to do it, Start learning to do it more and more and more. So my junior year, my senior year was the easiest football I've ever played hmm. because I use my brain and then I use my ability. So once that was like, like I said, I, I didn't number one, I didn't get hurt, so that helped a lot. But after that, the the mental part of the game kept me going where I really want to go. So I used that my first eight years in the NFL, and for the I say not my rookie year, like my, like every other rookie, really don't know what to do. But my second, third, fourth, fifth year, best in the league. Mm-hmm. And it's like because I knew the mental part of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've kind of taught the guys at every place I've ever been. Because everybody can run, but they really don't know how to use the brain to run without actually physically running.
0: That's really interesting. That yeah. it's, so much of it is from the eyebrows down, so much is from the eyebrows <laughs> up. Yeah, and yeah. I was thinking about it as a first round draft pick. Nowadays, mm-hmm. you're like going to some big city and you're walking the red carpet mm-hmm. and you're Holding a jersey with the uh, commissioner back in 1985. Like, what kind of draft party
1: did you have? Nothing. <laughs> it's like you're not going anywhere. I was a 21st pick, you know, and so it's like you just show up and you get ready to go to the Rams. So I get drafted the next day. I fly out to L.A. and I just go to Rams Park. That's what I meet the owner. I meet George Frontieri. I meet everybody else. Meet you know. The, after that, okay, fly back home. So we didn't have an off season. So. The first time after that, I didn't meet them until minicamp. And that that was like showing up in May, Uh and you had one weekend in May, and then you go back home, and then you show up in training camp. That's it. So it was like, it wasn't a big to-do deal. It was just like you were drafted in the first round and that's who you were.
0: Right, so it, it wasn't like a, a big party like at your house or anything no. like Like yeah. somebody just called and said, oh, by the way, you're yeah, you now a professional football player. Yeah. Nope, that's it. It goes <laughs> from,
1: hey, you can't go back to college, so now you're going to the NFL. And it's like, oh my God, now I got to go against grown men. That was a really big thing. Mm, like yeah. So I go in there and Jackie Slater... And Eric Dickerson and all those guys was already good like I said them guys I mean think about Eric Dickerson. his rookie year he, he ran for 1800 yards whoo his second year he went for 2105 <laughs> and then when I got in there his third year he went for 1700 in three wow. years he almost got 6,000 yards rushing I'm like <laughs> These guys are really good. So, yeah. so that's really the mindset that we had. Like, if you come in here, here's the, sta- the standards that's set. So you had to either catch up or you weren't going to be there.
2: Mm. I, I think that brings us to a, a very pertinent question. What was your welcome to the NFL moment? You always hear from guys, from rookies. What was
1: yours? Well, uh, probably going out, you know, really, really nervous. And it really didn't hit me during the season. But then playoffs time. Cause like I said, I'm a rookie, so I'm really not playing. And then we get ready to play the Cowboys, and then the guy who had been playing the nickel position got hurt the week before. So we're getting ready to play the Dallas Cowboys, and, and I growing up in Texas, you're a Cowboy fan, right. so I knew every Cowboy like Tony Dorsett, Ed Tuttle, Jones, all those guys, right? So I'm getting ready to go against them now, and it's like, hey Rook, you going in to cover the tight end? I'm like, oh my god, what what I, what, I, what should I do? It's like, look figure it out <laughs> and that's all they told me it's like we go man to man don't you let that tight end catch the ball and this was Doug Cosby right really good tight end so I'm like okay I have to figure it out but during the course of the week hey figured it out getting pushed around next thing you know he said hey just play up underneath him because he can't you and then undercut every route once I did that it was easy but that was my aha moment going against the team that I I'd idolized mm-hmm. yeah. and grew up with and knew everybody and then it's like I watched Eric Dixon on the sideline go for 200 and something yards in the playoff game. I'm like, okay, that's what football looks like. <laughs> that's wild.
2: Now we heard a story, and you can f- fact check us if, if this is incorrect, but one of your first purchases as a rookie was a 1985 Porsche. Mm-hmm. Where is that car? <laughs> I have no like-
1: idea. I wish I had that back. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish I had that back. No, uh, you know, like I, I used to love Porsche. And, and it, I love the the speed of the car. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, I, I really want to buy one. So I bought one and then I enjoyed it for a while, especially out in LA. Mm-hmm. But then when I got back to Texas, I'm like, eh, I really didn't like it because you couldn't put anyone else in there. Right. just one right. person. Yeah. So the back seat was so small, it's like you had a baby, that was it. But if they, <laughs> you had to put a baby seat, you're in trouble. So <laughs> we got, I got rid of that real quick. And then I kind of got hooked on Mercedes and I'm kind of, I've been a Mercedes guy since, 86.
2: Wow. Worked out
0: for you then. <laughs> if you're a dad with kids and you come home with a two-seater sports car, your wife is not going to be happy.
1: Well, the good thing is I wasn't married at that time. So I like, okay, I was okay for a little bit. But then in my fifth year, once I got married, I'm like, uh, this gotta go. <laughs> nope. It's not gonna work.
2: Oh, goodness. I love it. So I, one of my favorite stories that I found within the research that we were doing for this podcast was a story about... It was, you know, you go through your career in the NFL, and it comes time to retire, Mm -hmm. and you were with the Bucks at the time, if I'm remembering correctly. Sam Weish, who was the head coach of the Bucks at the time, I believe, actually offered you a contract to coach Mm -hmm. with him, and you turned him down. He said no. And you (laughs) said no. And then a year later, you were with SMU SMU coaching again and so tell me every year since. yeah and then coaching every year since and now here you sit still coaching so my question is it's kind of twofold what made you not want to get into coaching at the beginning but then a year later you're back
1: <laughs> <in>? <laughs> well i mean long story short is that that's that's always the hardest transition part is that as a player i i played there for a year and i played up under uh peters floyd peters who's a uh this, uh, DC but then Steve Schaefer was a DB coach so he was my DB coach my first seven years with the Rams so I go to Tampa I'm under him you know we do a pretty good job we, we all of a sudden I thought we kind of changed the culture in Tampa like we had Martin Mayhew uh, Hardy Nicholson and myself. We were the veteran guys on defense kind of teach them what to do Hey, let's go to meetings. Let's do this Let's do that because they've been losing for a long time So we go over there We kind of teach them what to do and then Sam he did offer me a job and at that time I really didn't know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and so I was like well, you know, I really like it But I really don't know so I kind of turned him down and then once I looked back and reflected on what I was doing as a player so at Texas going back mm-hmm. my freshman year it was all seniors and juniors so but my t- my sophomore year i'm playing with sen- seniors now mm-hmm. okay all of a sudden my junior year there was 21 guys get drafted and i stayed so we're like depleted right mm-hmm. so it was like oh my goodness you're the old
2: guy in the room <laughs> so now i'm
1: teaching young guys hey you got to watch film you got to do this you got to do that so okay remember and then that happened go to the rams get a old team understand what they're doing they're winning about By the time I got to my fifth year, all of a sudden the older guys were gone. So now I'm like, okay, we got a bunch of young guys. What do you do? You teach them how to play. Because I like playing. I like the playoffs. I like the checks. I like all those, right? (laughs) So it's like, hey, we don't want to lose this, so I got to teach you how to play at a high level. And then once I left there, I went to Tampa, looked at the same thing. Houston, really. Mm -hmm. And then Steve Jackson was a second-year guy. Mm -hmm. All the guys didn't know anything about meetings so i would always take them after practice we would go to the meetings okay this is what we're looking for this is what we're looking for and we got to the playoffs again so after that I went the tampa and i'm like okay this you've all coached your whole career this is what you're good at this is what you you know cut out to do so i really wanted to go to college and coaching college because i thought i can teach a college guy really what to look for in the nfl in my first year at smu my second year at smu we got three DBs drafted. Mm-hmm. So I was going to stay in college, but then fortunately for me and unfortunately for us is that the head coach got fired. So I'm like, I'm well, out of a job. <laughs> so then just by chance, Floyd Reese calls me and say, hey, you want a job in with the, you want to be a quality control? I'm like, what is that? And he's like, oh, uh, you'll be doing scout team. Okay, I got it. So I, I took the job, didn't know what it was, went to Houston, thought we was going to be in Houston. And all of a sudden, <laughs> May, we're moving to Tennessee, <laughs> and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" But I had been out the NFL for two years. I never knew they were going to move. Yeah. So it was like that was one of the things, and like you said, I I hadn't been, looked back since because it's really an easy job because that's what I love to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I I mean, easy is a relative term, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, but 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 you know, I, I, when I look at it, and I'm not talking about ease as far as work. Right, but it's to, just. It's like, okay, because I'm always trying to get into the player's mind, right? That's the first thing I do. I'm looking like, okay, what is A.J. about? And how do I get him to play at his peak level? And then I'm like, okay, what is Jeff about? What about Richie? What about Jesse? So I, I look at individual guys. I never coach as a group. I know I'm gonna coach you as a group, but I coach each guy individually the because there's one button that pushes every pushes every guy within them. Interesting. So now, now I know, okay, if I can get this button pushed, this guy will get to his level. So I'm always conscious uh, conscious of that. I never coach what I think as a cookie cutter and it co- coach everybody the same. Mm-hmm. You're gonna screw up half of them. You may get half, but then you're going to screw up half. So I'm always conscious of, okay, how do I make this guy understand what's more important for him at this time to where he can help the team win?
2: Yeah, the, That's fascinating. Uh, the follow-up to that is, for you when you were playing, what what was that button for you? Good question. That that got you to another level?
1: Well, uh, like I said, I, I think the biggest thing helped me is playing quarterback and understanding how to be a high school quarterback. Right. And then when I got to Texas, they said, hey, are you're you, are you a free safety, but you're playing quarterback. So I, I learned how to read the quarterback and the offensive line. And, okay, this is what they're doing, so I'm going to do this. And, okay, if, if I was a quarterback, what would I do? Mm-hmm. So I kind of just flipped it. Okay. And I just played defense that way, right? So I learned how to tackle. I learned how to do other stuff like that. And then once I did that, going to the pros, it was exactly the same thing. They said, well, now you're going to play corner. So I'm like, okay, how do you play corner? Because I've never played in my life. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use a sideline to help me. And now all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make sure that if I, when I take notes and write notes, if a guy lines up here, this is all he's gonna run. So that's all I played. I didn't play anything else. So now if he lined up here, this is all I played. So I was small enough to figure that out. and. That was it, that's all I did. I didn't do anything any different to anybody else. I just learned that there's only certain routes that they can run, so I never gave them the benefit of running everything. Mm. And that's that was where the confidence came to make a play.
0: Wow. See, it, um, Like, we were actually uh, talking about this earlier, how watching you coach is so interesting yeah. because There isn't a lot of like screaming and there isn't a lot of like patting on the back There's like technical work. Like Mm -hmm. I remember there was a play at practice early in camp I I think it was Cornell Armstrong had really good coverage on Slade Bolden or somebody and he just got beat, right? He and then he he was laying on his back and you didn't go up there slap him on the butt and say next rep and you didn't scream at him You broke down exactly what he could have done slightly, but the coverage was still good, Mm -hmm, right? But But you broke that down for him right away, emotionless, just here's what you need to do. And that was always fascinating, right? Because you hear so much about football coaches being like, Rah-rah guys or being yellers, that doesn't seem to be your style. Nah,
1: nah. You know, I, I, when I, I never learned how to do the rah-rah because rah, I, I was a player. Mm-hmm. So the guy that did all the screaming, I kind of tuned him out, just being honest. <laughs> it's like, okay, you scream, I tune you out, then whenever you talk, I go back to you, right? So I, I learned to do that. But then, so I'm like, okay, this is what these guys can do. So every guy don't like screaming. Mm-hmm. So if I scream at the wrong guy, I put him in the tank. Right. If I scream at the right guy, oh, I got him. So that's why I look at each individual person. So, and Cornell is not one of them guys. He's he's, he's like an even kill guy. So when I'm talking to him, I'm like, okay, here's what you did. So the first thing pitching comes to his mind, I got beat. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk to him about, okay, here's how you got beat. You was in position right here, so here's the good things of that. So now he's like, oh, okay, there are some good components of this. I just didn't finish at this, at this point in time. Right. So players dismiss all the good stuff if you always talk about the bad things right and that's what a lot of guys don't understand is you you can't just talk about the bad stuff and expect for them to get the good I was raised the opposite mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you what you can't do and then you go do it well that was the old school you can't teach that way anymore right <laughs> you know you have to teach these guys how to do what they want to do and how you want to do it because and now they'll go out there and do it but it's still your job to teach them that way.
2: And I think you make such a good point, because I've always been raised that teaching is coaching and coaching is teaching, mm-hmm. and they're one in the same. And there was actually a quote that I saw of you, and you can fact check me on this too. There's a lot of things that I, I just need confirmation <laughs> on in the podcast. But you said something about, you were in high school and you had an English teacher, and you said a lot of the things she taught me are things I still practice today. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things that you, you think back on? It's like the teachers in my life helped me along in this way. So now as a coach and a teacher, this is how I practice.
1: Yeah, it's like, like my junior uh, high school teacher was Miss Lindsay. Mm-hmm. I still know her name. Mm-hmm. And then my senior high school teacher was Miss Hudson. Uh-huh. So they were like the best teachers in the school, mm-hmm. okay? And I just fortunately, for me, was, got in their class, right? So they kind of taught me, okay, I, I'm gonna teach you how to write something down, how to look at a story, and then you break the story down. So never been taught that way. Mm-hmm. So when you read the story, I want you to put it back in your own words. So now, does it make sense to you? And then when you read it, if you read it out loud, does somebody else understand it? Oh, so yeah. that's the thing that I learned to do in high school, how to break a story down. So I'm going to break this person down. I'm going to break this team down. And I'm going to give it to you in little bitty pieces. Mm-hmm. And now you'll accept the little pieces other than like, okay, here's this. 400 page book go read it you're like mm-hmm. coach I ain't reading that crap, mm-hmm. but if I give you little bitty pieces pieces of that book yeah. Eventually, we are gonna get to 400 pages and you'll never know it's 400 pages yeah. <laughs> See Digestible. but I, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I know that's kind of what they did for me mm-hmm. and everybody is not like me But you can tell the ones who needs the little bitty pieces mm-hmm. are the ones that lead a little bit more mm-hmm. and just about everyone that comes in the league needs a little bit of peace and then once you give it to them, they want more. Mm-hmm. And then you give them, and when they get interested, they'll come, hey, hey wh- what about that you asked me? So when they come running, now you got them. But if you doing the opposite and they never come to you, you never get them. That's
0: fantastic stuff. And we're running up against the clock, unfortunately. Four minutes. We are not going to make this man late for anything. <laughs> uh, so real quick, it, um, we can just trim the
1: rapid fire yeah. down to like two.
2: Yeah, I got you. Okay, what was your favorite play of your career?
1: Uh, Probably, I'd say, maybe college. Mm -hmm. I was running down Bo Jackson. I knew this was going to be the one. I
2: knew this was the Uh, one. (laughs) He
1: he was like the best running back at the time in all of football. So it's like I overran him, really. Uh It's like he actually ran a zone play and he cut back and overran him. And I knew in my heart to hearts, I'm like, there's no one else on our team can catch this guy. <laughs> so it's like, I just put my head down and ran. I, I promise you, I didn't know I was going to catch him, but I caught him. And on that play, he actually dislocated his shoulder. Yep. Right. Yep. And he was going to win the Heisman that year. See, people don't know that when he got hurt that year, which was his sophomore year and my senior year, he was, going to, he was up for the Heisman. And then he got hurt and Doug Flutie won the Heisman.
0: Oh, the separated shoulder! Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because he didn't play for six weeks. Right, yeah,
1: separated him from the Heisman Trophy. But he came back the next year and won it. Right, (laughs) so it worked out for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. (laughs) All
0: right, last one. Who is your favorite athlete, regardless of sport, when you were growing up?
1: Hmm, favorite athlete, regardless of sport, probably. I like Dr. J.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, that's another good one. You know,
1: when you, when you, my, my era, Dr. J was a Michael Jordan. Uh You know, when you look at Dr. J, you're like, okay, this is what basketball looks like. You know, great guy, played defense. He wasn't a jump shot shooter or anything like that, but he, he had to work for his shots. It didn't come easy. You know, he wasn't a one dimensional guy. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at him, you're like, okay, that's what you really want to be. You want to be Dr. J.
0: Man,
2: That's a great, great line to end on. I
0: could literally just have this conversation for like two hours, but the man has places to go. So let's wrap it up real quick. Everybody, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and subscribing to the Atlanta Falcons Podcast Network. I'm Scott. That's Tori. This is Jed Jed Gray signing off. (laughs) See ya. Thank you.